0: Hi, I'm Michael Hartman. I'm Naomi Liu.
1: And I'm Mike Rizzo. And this is
0: OpsCast. A podcast for marketing ops pros.
1: And RevOps pros.
0: Created by the MoPros, the number one community for marketing operations professionals.
2: Tune in to each episode as we chat with real professionals to help elevate you in your marketing operations career.
0: Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of OpsCast brought to you by the MoPros, now powered by MarketingOps.com. I'm your host, Michael Hartman, joined today by co-hosts Nami Liu and Mike Rizzo. And we're going to do this again, the year of the <laughs> year of the MoPro. I think I feel like
1: we have to until the end of the year.
0: All right. So the it's year of 20, 2022.
1: The end of 2022. We will stop right. saying that.
0: Naomi, are you okay with that? I am totally fine with that. I
1: may pick it back up, though, and say it's the
0: decade of the MoPro. No, I'm
1: just kidding. I won't go that far.
0: Then we have to get into discussion about when does the decade start and when does it end, and that could be a real battle. That's true. But we won't go down that Instead, point. let's get on with this with our guests. So joining us today to talk about getting your next marketing ops role, so I know there's a lot of people who are moving or interested in moving, is Chelsea Rosenberg. Chelsea has been in... The recruiting, people ops, and coaching slash counseling space for over 10 years, with seven of those specializing in all things marketing. So three years ago, she became hyper-specialized in marketing operations and is proud to become a respected and often referred resource for marketing ops professionals as they look for new career adventures, work to grow their team, and learn the skills needed to navigate the world of work. In addition to recruiting and people ops, Chelsea is proud to share her passion for coaching and guiding others to re- uncover their fullest potential and supporting them in reaching their goals through her consultancy, Sprout Bright Consulting. And I will say Chelsea has been a good resource for me as well at one point in my time ti- search. So Chelsea, thank you
3: for joining us today. Yes, of course. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: All right. I think our first guest from Iowa. So... Okay, hey, that's awesome. Yay. We're gonna right, see so, if we get I, an
1: uptick in Iowa downloads.
0: Now. No, I live in Texas now. I'm originally from the Midwest, so in so I have a soft spot there. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've we you and I know have talked about career journeys. We, those, actually on our podcast, we've talked about career journeys a number of times and other sort of generally like career stuff, some about like how do you what how do you get a seat at the table, how do you improve your stock, that kind of stuff. What we haven't really talked about is the nuts and bolts of finding another role. So why don't we start with, Chelsea, how someone should approach going from, maybe there's more than one take on this, but more from a more junior role, maybe an early initial role to a more senior role and start with there. But And then what is your advice for listeners who either want to go from an entry level to the next step or from an individual contributor to a management role? And I'm going to throw this one in there just as I thought of it as we're as I'm talking about, what about somebody, maybe even if it makes sense, somebody who has been doing something else or just coming into the to the job market who's interested in just striking in?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. I just want to get a lot, right? Because marketing ops tends to be, you know, you either have the experience or you don't, right? You can't really fake it. And that one is, it is tough to break into, but there's definitely ways to do it. In terms of, say you've been in a MOPs role, I don't know, for a year or something and a management opportunity comes up, my first piece of advice around that is to like take a minute (laughs) and figure out really deeply think and figure out your why. Like, why do you want to get into management? And I think even from going into a more senior role as an IC, you still need to consider your why. That's going to be super, super helpful as you start to develop a plan for your career growth. You can't really go into it just, shooting from the hip. You got to know what you're looking for and why you're looking for it. And knowing that really makes conversations with leadership, makes interviews a million times easier because you're really able to articulate what it is that's important to you. Or who knows, maybe you'll find that after considering it more, if there was a management opportunity, you may find that you just want to get into management because you want a bigger paycheck, which I can tell you right now is not setting yourself up for either yourself or your direct reports, I'm sure. Have you guys ever had a manager that was not a good manager and just took the job because they wanted the title or the pay? It's pretty terrible. It's pretty Mm -hmm. terrible.
0: I I think I was that manager in my first management role. (laughs) Maybe not so much about, not, not so much about like chasing the dollars, but saying, oh, that's the sort of natural next step. In career. Yeah, yeah it um, feels that way.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah, you really have to feel because I've talked to a lot of people that they think that management is the that's the only other opportunity for them, but they don't really want to be a manager. So really figuring out, like I said, if you know your why, then you can figure out the best way. Maybe it's to move companies and get a more senior role or talk to your current management and see if there's an opportunity to take on more responsibility, that sort of thing. But yeah, it does tend to be everyone assumes that okay, now I'm a senior, so the only way to go up is to be a manager. And I don't think that's true, especially with... Because the MOPS landscape is changing, it seems like, almost every day. The approaches to things, how teams are set up, specializations. Obviously, there's, like, the four pillars. And that's not necessarily... I don't want to... The four pillars are very important, but I don't think they should be considered in terms of, like, as you're thinking about your career, right? You don't... It's not like COPS is the lowest on the totem pole or campaign ops is the lowest on the totem pole and to move up, you have to get into platform. It really just depends. And I think at the root of anything in terms of your next career move, it really comes down to your why. Maybe as you're thinking about it, you're like, oh, okay, I do want to be a senior person, but I don't really like data visualization skills or I haven't really been exposed to many data platforms. And that would be something that you could focus on to be able to position yourself well for getting a more senior role. And another thing I would add too is talk to the people that are doing what you want to do. It's one for networking, which is so important. And I feel like I'm just like beating the drum that everyone else has been beating about the importance of networking. But it's really, it's true, both from a get the job you want. It's all about who, and also from a perspective of learning. Right. The only, I know there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I learn best by doing, which is great. But if you don't have access to, I don't know, maybe you're interested in learning Pardot or something. If you don't have access to a Pardot instance, it's all theoretical. So you want to talk to people who are actually doing it and learn from them. So I
0: want to go drill down on something you talked about, knowing your why or put it in a general self-awareness bucket, which I've gone through exercises to do that. I think it's part of why I guess the people I've managed would be the best judges of this. But I feel like I'm a better manager than it was in that first one because I think I was more prepared about how I wanted to lead. But I'm curious how do for our listeners who maybe have, don't know how to even go about figuring that out, do you have any suggestions of books or – Programs or people or whatever
3: that they could go to to try to help them through that. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, I, I'm i a professional development and leadership coach. So, of course, I'm going <laughs> to shameless plug. Wor- yeah, there's that. But working with a coach is really helpful because they're going to ask you questions and guide you to mindsets or perspectives that you may not have considered in terms of exercises. It's really, I think it starts with, and I'm going to get all like philosophical here, but it really starts with. Understanding your own values, because if you're just like I said, shooting from the hip or making stuff up as you go, or oh that job looks interesting, but you're not, you don't know why it looks interesting, you're not going to get really very far. So, it, I to understand your why, you need to understand your values first, and then you create your why around that. You can't have a why if you don't know your values. Does that make sense? Have you guys ever done values exercises? Was it? I have. Enlightening. It, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I've done. Different things. I I did have a friend who was a coach who was just kicking it off. So lucky to be guinea a guinea pig.
3: Yeah, and it, it
0: was really helpful. I also, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Like I've also done Myers-Briggs and StrengthsFinder and some of these other sort of, I don't know if we call them personality assessments or not, but do you think those are helpful or harmful or a little bit of both on how you look at it?
3: Ooh, you really <laughs> want to go into that? No, here's my thought. So Myers-Briggs, I think specifically is really helpful for the individual i am 100 percent against using it for like trying to find your next like using it in recruitment i absolutely loathe and i think it's discriminatory and it's not okay yeah so just to be clear i'm thinking more about to get to that your why
0: or kind of self kind of awareness stuff nothing yeah we totally agree i not i
3: would not be a fan of using it for hiring no, it's super bad. Do not do that. And if you're asked to do that, run away very quickly. but I yeah, say that just because
1: I, back when I was a little earlier in my career, I had actually taken some of the data. There was one that like says who you're like, like it pulls like a character out of history or out of like mm. time. And like they have these little caricatures or whatever. I can't remember which one it is right now. But apparently I was most similar to... Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. Okay, And then, does that count as a historical figure? It was fictional characters and non-fictional characters. They would pull different <laughs> concepts from personality traits and stuff. So it's Jon Snow and, oh gosh, I can't think of the other one, but it was a major historical figure in American history that I just can't pick of right now, but... So I put that on there, though. And then what I didn't realize is that was actually potentially hurting me because, you know, someone's going to look at that and go, no, we don't want a Jon Snow here.
3: (laughs) Yeah. But from a from like a self-awareness perspective, it's really interesting, right? Because you as a human, it's really hard for us to view ourselves from the outside. So if someone is like that tool that you were talking about, if it's able to put a context to it, oh, you are when I think Of you being Jon Snow, I think of like cautious, but brave, willing to do the scary stuff. And I think that from a self-awareness perspective, that is really helpful. And I do like it, like I said, from for yourself, but not for. Let me take that back. So Myers-Briggs specifically, going back to that one, I think is helpful once someone has been hired. And Michael, you may, you, all of y'all may agree, but when you have direct reports, understanding that about them understanding how they think is really is really helpful um mm-hmm. and i do think from uncovering and understanding your why i think that is it is a good it is a good tool yeah there's like high five myers-briggs like you can get i can't remember what the the Jungian one is well but you know, i've used strengths finder mm-hmm.
0: now discover your strengths when i first did it to, as a sort of a team building exercise with multiple teams mm-hmm. it mostly just of to understand Help each help all of us understand how we best how we work best, where we're gonna be mm-hmm. the most productive. And I've had a number of things that have been enlightening from that. Like I've had one person who I was encouraging to take on more, more sort of extra projects of work, thinking that he might be interested in a management role. And it was became pretty obvious why that had never really sucked him in after we did that exercise. That was not what he was interested. In. Like it became so I had a, I could have a very open conversation with him from a coaching standpoint. Naomi, I'm curious, do you ever have you ever done anything like that with your teams over time, or used any of those kinds of tools?
2: I've taken it as part of like management workshops at work, but not with the team directly. But folks that have direct reports, we've done a workshop like that.
1: Hey, everyone, it's Mike Rizzo here, and I'm interrupting your episode to bring you a brief message about, you might have guessed it, Mopsapalooza 2024, our second annual conference held in the vibrant city of Anaheim, California. We're hosting this hybrid event from the 5th of November through the 8th, and we would love for you to join us in person in Anaheim. But if you can't, please join us via live stream, courtesy of our sponsor, Excel Events. We're excited to offer an opportunity for professionals just like you to connect, learn, and grow among the best in the industry. Our event promises to be a highlight of the year, offering invaluable professional development experiences, live workshops, and of course, networking with your peers. Don't miss out on this incredible gathering right next to Disneyland in Southern California. Tickets are going fast. We will cap registration at 700 attendees. Secure your pass by visiting marketingops.com today. And we're looking forward to welcoming you to what is guaranteed to be an unforgettable event. It might just be the best event you've ever attended. But don't take my word for it. You can ask the community at any time. We'll see you there.
0: Yeah. I
1: found this to be interest-like... Earlier in my career, I didn't, <laughs> I was like, cool, like some data about me. And then as I progressed along, I found it, and I still find it, quite difficult to operationalize that or use it consistently. And it, especially as a, just a team member in general. If you're managing people, it's a little different. Maybe you part make it a part of your routine to Remind yourself of who that individual is according to these results and have an open conversation with them, but keep that sort of a part of your engagement strategy. But gosh, as a team member, like I've gone through those exercises a number of times and we even went so far in my former organization to pin them to our like little cubicle like area so that if somebody walked up, there's at least some sort of frame of reference to say, oh, Mike is a so-and-so and whatever. But gosh, it's really hard to leverage that and say, oh, what does that mean again? That means that they need a minute to stay quiet, to think about their response. And that isn't awkward, whatever it is, but it's hard to operationalize that. And that's the thing that I find most difficult about all of it. But ultimately, earlier on, I passed it off a little bit. I brushed it away. And now I like, I, I guess for the listeners out there, if you're earlier in your career, you've never done one before. They really are super, super important and super helpful, especially if everybody has an open conversation about it, which I think is the most important piece. Michael, as you said, like the team building activity
0: around yeah. it. it. can be that, that was for I was, like you. I think I had taken them early on in my career. And just This is just a bunch of hooey. And it was not until we did it as a group exercise and it was shared, revealed what you know, everybody's style was. That happened to be Myers-Briggs one. And it was a very interesting sort of experience to go through that and kind of understand how other people are operating. And again,
3: it goes back to self-awareness, right? And my mindset and thought around those types of things, the personalities and that sort of thing, is think of it as advice, right? You'd get to choose what advice you take. So there may be some super helpful nuggets in there. It may all be hogwash. From iOS. So that was weird. Pretend that didn't happen.
0: <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I said hooey, so it's okay. He <laughs> <You> did <laughs> say hooey.
3: <laughs> so, how do you want this? It may. It m- there's going to be helpful things and there's going to be non-helpful things. So just remember that you have permission to use your discretion. This isn't like the... Chelsea's man, like the owner manual for Chelsea. It's just, Hey, these are some things. Totally agree. I think it's
0: all useful sort of data points. If you think about it in the analogy for, to me is like, if you get to ask the question, was this campaign marketing campaign effective, right? There's not one thing that you're going to go to, to tell that, that, to answer that question. And so if you think of, I, now I take the opportunities to take those when it when I can, as much as anything, just this sort of get another data point about what's what, where I'm at in terms of how I operate. Okay, so I think I wanna go back to your sort of description and ask two, two follow-up questions. One, one of the things I, that was going through my head is when you were going like, why is it important to know your why is, so you can identify the kinds of roles that would match. But I think the, the corollary to that is, in my mind is also knowing which ones you, you should feel comfortable saying no to. So if you're approached and a bunch more money, or maybe it's you are moving into a management role, and but then you, if you know what you're really going to do, if you're not going to really be excited about having a management role, then maybe you should be saying no to that opportunity at that point in time. Thoughts on yeah. that? And then I'll ask my other question
3: after that. Yeah, that and saying no is really hard. For anyone, especially if you're trying to move up the ladder. But it is important to consider, like I said, and that you had mentioned, really understanding your why will help you understand your overall, like your overarching career goals as well. And that will help weed out the ones that aren't going to be, that won't serve you. The roles that won't serve you, the informational meetings that won't serve you. Yeah, it is very hard to learn that skill, but it's definitely one. Just in life in general, but specifically in MOPS, sure. because those tend to turn into order-taking roles if you're not careful. So, really understanding and being confident, and being able to say no to. Yeah.
0: Okay. So everything. my my other follow-up question, a second follow-up question is: People like you doing coaching and that kind of stuff. What's your take? Like, what's the? Do you think there's value for people in addition to their self-awareness of having maybe not just a coach, but also a me- mentor or mentors who can also be a sounding board that are maybe the reason I've always liked it is I, I intentionally chose to try to get people in my sort of personal board of directors, if you will, to provide different perspectives and call BS on me. And to they care, but they don't care too much. It's not something yeah. I would do. Maybe say
3: with my spouse or
0: partner or whatever. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, that's really important. But at the same time, that's really hard. It's, I, but that's one of the great things about this community and the marketing operations community as a whole is that there's a lot of people that are open to being mentors and it doesn't even just like putting a question or throwing something up in a channel and getting people responding. And like you don't necessarily have to have a mentor, but you do need to have somebody, like you said, to really bounce ideas off of. Um, to help you grow, right? Different perspectives are how you grow. But yeah, finding a mentor is ideal, but tough. <laughs> I wish I have just do this and everything will be great. But yeah. unfortunately, that's not the case. But I do recommend, like maybe there's an old manager that you liked working with or something, or there's a lot of different places to find mentors. But as you're waiting to find yours, definitely take advantage of of communities like like this one for sure. And I find you don't have
2: to have one person that's going to be your mentor for everything. You may have had managers or people that you worked with or for that maybe they're really good at certain things and you can piecemeal together a mentorship across different people.
3: Yeah, 100%. It it comes back to what serves you best. And Uh, you have to go ahead. No, I was
0: going to say, actually, it's very intentionally a couple of years ago, because I had gone through having mentors that sort of were less I was less thoughtful about how I identified and re- call it recruited them because I wanted, I was asking them for that. And they run their course. That's the other thing I would say is from my experience, those tend to have a lifespan that may vary. But I the last time I intentionally looked, pursued a two to four people with different profiles Including in my case, people were more junior than me, which has actually been super valuable as a leader to like when I've dealt with people, challenges, or something like that, where I've I could bounce that off of them and they provide a perspective that I hadn't, I wouldn't have thought of on my own, or maybe a more senior person wouldn't have thought of either because it was,
3: but it was curious. Yeah. And in addition to that, being a mentor is actually very helpful as well because a lot of people learn by teaching. So offering your, experience and background to others as a mentor. It's a mutually beneficial situation.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: I
3: do yeah. th- I
0: do that as well. We're
1: this has come up so many times in our community in general. I know folks have found each other either through Slack, through summer camp or through the pro membership on Meetzee where you're automatically meeting folks and there's ways to have all that sort of happen. But I think we can be more like at one point we had attempted to be more intentional about this. And the timing of this particular part of the discussion is I think everything happens for a reason. I was just looking last night at a really well-defined coaching mentorship program through another organization with a leading community and client success. And I'm really thinking about how do we spin that back up, We've got some initial documents around it. And how do we formalize this in an effort that is similar to what AJ spun up recently around? Hey, for those that are looking for new opportunities or have been laid off and need a resume review, like we've got a whole swath of people ready to help you out in the volunteer sort of side of things. So I want to, I want to get back to that. And I think touching on. The difficulty with which it is to find a mentor, as you said, Chelsea, it's like super, Mm -hmm. super hard. Just think of these different channels as a way to do that. But we will, if anybody out there in the listening audience like has ideas on how to formalize that program with us, I have some renewed thoughts on this. And we're happy to hear your take on it because at the end of the day, we want it to be valuable to the entire community. So share your thoughts, please. But mentorship is a really big component of career growth. So I'm glad it came up.
0: Yeah. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. So one of the things you and I talked about when we were planning this episode is you referenced the importance of being able to talk to, as ops professionals, being able to talk to non-technical people. So why don't we start with, like, when you say that, what do you mean by it? And why is that an important skill to learn and nurture?
3: Yeah, yeah. And this one's really important because Mops works with numerous different teams, right? There's a lot of cross-functionality. In that role, and you're gonna work with or partner with or come across somebody that doesn't like maybe they understand, like they have a theoretical understanding of marketing ops, but they don't necessarily really understand it. Or maybe they have this like pie in the sky plan for their next campaign. And you're like, dude, this platform does not do that. But and being able to like have that conversation in a, it's essentially like being able to speak in layman's terms, but still get your point and your your knowledge sharing across. It's a skill that has to be honed, right? It's not, oh, I'm really good at talking about marketing operations to people that have no idea what the heck I'm talking about. It's not a thing. It's something that that definitely has to be honed. I'm sure you guys, in your illustrious careers, have come across somebody <laughs> that you're working with and you have a conversation with them about the capabilities of the specific maps that work has. And their eyes just glaze over. They're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's wasted time on your side. That's wasted time on their side. I'm all little frustrated. And Our listeners need
0: to know that every one of us that were listening to that, we're all like <laughs> smirking and smiling. Yep. <laughs> it was like,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, true. The, you mean they don't care about all the little like filter logic and the rules and the nuance of if you say and or here.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, it's definitely needed. And that kind of comes back to you full circle about the whole you learn when you teach others. That also is a skill that that you have to practice and a muscle that you have to flex often to make it. Yeah, I, like
1: it. take like action item, learn when you teach others, try to see if there's anybody in your org. Maybe let's start there. Maybe there's someone in your org in a sales role or in a different marketing role where you offer up the time. Spin up office hours. And say, here are three things in which I'd be willing to share a little bit more information on and see if you can distill that down to a degree that is like understanding the fundamentals of why this thing matters. And to give you like a real time example of how that might've happened (laughs) for me today was someone said, we really want to pick your brain on what is the deal with UTMs and attribution and all this stuff. I don't understand fundamentally what this is all about. And I had to go through today and try to like leverage a bunch of documentation and use some guiding sort of principles to say, how does this matter to who? This level matters to leadership. This level matters to a marketing manager. And why does that matter? And try to explain that if this value doesn't come through, then these repercussions might happen or something like that. But just the fact that I had to sit there and try to break down something as nuanced and fun as UTMs really gave me an opportunity today to figure out like, all right, like how do you talk to someone that maybe doesn't have the technical understanding of something as potentially complicated as UTMs?
3: Yeah. yeah, And to do it in a non-condescending way. Yeah, <laughs> at
1: the end of the chat, <laughs> at the end of the chat, they were like, you're a really good teacher. Thank you. And I was like, thanks. I had planned nothing. This is not a toot of my horn. I literally said afterwards, you promise I didn't mansplain that to you? <laughs> and they were like, "No," and I was like, "Okay, I'm glad to hear that because you're trying not you're trying to figure out how do I share this stuff without sounding like a jerk." Yeah, because <laughs> you know a lot, and that's okay. You just it takes practice, though.
0: It does. It
3: really. Actually, really does.
1: don't know that much.
0: Yeah, honest. okay, <laughs> ah, okay, Naomi. I'm gonna put you on the spot here a little bit. So I know that you do. You've talked about this on episodes before. You do these QBRs internally. Mm-hmm. And I know you've talked about it. some of them are like what we just talked about. Are, do you, are you using those as a way to help your team get that kind of experience of teaching like that? Or are you doing it? How's that working? Mm-hmm.
2: No. So it's also an opportunity for the team to practice their presentation and educate like technology adoption and education skills. And the deck is always comprised of I'll always start and end it. But everybody on the team has their part that they contribute to the deck. and they're responsible for presenting their part.
0: Might assume that I'm not good at that, so I'll never be good at that, which I fundamentally Um, just disagree with.
2: I think onboarding new hires, whether it be people that you tangentially work with or even in the sales realm. So sometimes I'll have some of my team members like shadow me where I just do, even when it's people in sales or if they just may work with the team, but not on a daily basis, like it might be someone in HR or someone in IT or just one of the supporting organizations that we collaborate with not necessarily on a daily basis but often enough even just a one-hour call where we talk about what the team does and our team structure and things that we're responsible for and usually if we don't know the answer who to reach out to we can generally point people in the right direction just having that kind of like call with new hires is super beneficial and then having some like having one of my team members Do that, actually, because they always say if you can teach what you do, then you're a master at your own area of domain. And that's something that I find is super helpful and beneficial, kind of brings them outside of the comfort zone a little bit, because a lot of people always talk about I'm an individual contributor. I don't like managing and going into a management role doesn't mean you're automatically managing people right? You can be managing processes, right? You can be managing relationships with vendors and contracts and things like that. You may not necessarily have direct reports that roll up into you, but sometimes you don't really know until you do it. Like early on in my career, I thought I was going to be an individual contributor forever because I just loved that. I loved being in the weeds, putting on my headphones, just being in my own world and problem solving and helping people. There's some real satisfaction
0: in accomplishing, completing those things and be able to point out. For sure. And
2: I still do it. Like I'm a working manager. I never want to be too far away from the technology. That I don't know what I'm necessarily talking about, but I, I got put into a role where I was managing, and I honestly I realized that it's something that I really enjoy doing. I like mentoring people, I like seeing them grow. And over the years, I've hired and trained countless number of marketing ops folks who have gone on to have their own amazing marketing ops careers, either on the agency side or the or the client side. And it's just it's something that I never like ten years ago. If you asked me if that would be something I'd be interested in, I'd be like, no way, Jose. And now <laughs> I can't imagine having a role where I don't mentor people.
1: I'm with you. I don't know who it was on LinkedIn. I wish I could do a little hat tip to them the other day. It was either yesterday or today. I their my days burr together. But they said, uh, if your people aren't leaving you, you're doing a bad job. And that was like how the post started. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and and the gist of the post was essentially that, right? Naomi, where it's, if you're doing a good job managing, coaching, and mentoring, they should grow. And eventually, they're going to want to take on new challenges. And so if your people aren't leaving you, you're actually doing a bad job as a manager. Mm-hmm. You want them to reach a point where they want to try for more or you have more opportunity for them, hopefully, but that's not always the case.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I remember seeing that yesterday too. All right, so let's let's go on to another area. So the, another thing that uh, kind of in the job search realm that we've talked about, Chelsea, is there are some common challenges that you see out there for people who are job seekers. What are you seeing as the most common sort of challenges that people are running into? And then another corollary, like, again, are there are they different for people who are earlier in their career versus later in their career and the people management roles, things like that?
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What I've been hearing, has been rumblings for quite a while, but it seems to have amped up in the recent, I don't know, what day is it? months, we'll say. Recently, it's become more of a thing. And it's talking to people who like apply for a role and then get a call back or maybe they're referred or something. And then they're talking to this recruiter who has 17 million other roles that they're trying to fill and they don't know about marketing operations. And they're like looking at your resume. I see here that you worked in Pardot, but we are on Eloqua or or Oracle or what name any other marketing operations platform? And they're like, so you don't have the experience that we need. And that, <laughs> right. Oh, that makes me so mad because it's as a candidate, you then feel like you're like, wait, dude, or you feel like you're having to defend yourself in this really weird way. But the biggest hurdle is just recruiters and even some hiring managers right they don't understand the philosophy around marketing operations the learning a new platform obviously there's nuances and you guys can tell me all about them but obviously there's nuances but learning a new naming thing right or, or in this tool it's called a and in this tool it's called b like learning that it's called b that what i'm trying to get at <laughs> is that this, the mindset and the skill to be successful in marketing operations can be utilized by any marketing automation tool, in my perspective. Because, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong, right? Those skills are transferable across different maps. And I've been hearing a lot of people, like, I applied for this job and they said that I didn't qualify because blah, blah, blah. And then they're not given another chance.
1: Yeah. I think all things, it depends. I am a big advocate for your skills and your curiosity to go learn these tools and having an understand an understanding of object oriented relationships and the database structure the way that maps work and the way that data ties together absolutely can help you jump into other tools having been a user of pardot hubspot and marketo and acton I see a lot of relationships between all those things however your palette and desire to want to go pick up the nuances of the tools, because they are particular in their own particular way, they can make you a platform expert in a way that is very different than somebody who's scratched at the surface level of what the capabilities are. And so the it depends piece isn't about, is your skill transferable? It's, are you ready and willing to learn and or... <laughs> Is the organization who's looking for that talent able to tolerate a little bit of a slightly steeper learning curve for someone who's got the capabilities to pick it up quickly, but needs the time to go absorb it? If they need to move a little faster, that's usually where you run into the problem is, yeah, but we need somebody yesterday. And that's the market that we're seeing right now is everybody's, we need someone yesterday. And I, I would argue to your point, Skills are transferable, slow down to speed up and just hire the right people who are passionate and hungry to take on the challenge. Cause if you give somebody that chance to go learn, maybe they're moving from Pardot to Marketo or the other way around. If you give them the chance to do that, they might stick with you for longer just cause you know, they're like, cool, you gave me a great career learning opportunity and this is an interesting company. So anyway, that's my thoughts on it.
0: Yep. I think we're all on the, Naomi can speak for herself, but I think we're all on the same page on this one that I think that the, de, it depends is probably the right answer for, in my book.
1: Yeah, I don't know. My message, though, to the hiring managers out there and those recruiters, like, try to figure out if there's a palette in the organization for that slow down to speed up to, like method. Right. Try to gauge the level of interest of, can we bring somebody in who's just got a little bit of a different background, but understand fundamentally they can pick it up. I hope more and more of that happens because it's, it forces the market to feel like they have to be like platform specific. 15 years ago when I like strategically, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes for all the listeners, strategically decided not to be a Salesforce admin. <laughs> it was because I didn't want to quote unquote, get stuck in the ecosystem of Salesforce. and still to this day, like there is so much opportunity in that ecosystem. Like that probably would have been a wonderful career decision. Sure. But there's something.
0: this goes back to knowing yourself Mm -hmm. and what do you want to do? And although that may have been maybe lucrative in some ways, it may not have been got you probably almost certainly would not have gotten you to where you are today. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Almost
3: certainly.
0: (laughs) Okay. So I know we're we're running a little bit short on time, but I do want to cover one thing for sure with you, Chelsea, and that is something that I've I think our certainly the community is vocal about. And I know part of it I'm pretty vocal about, which is I'll put both related to compensation and job levels. I think there's sometimes a lack of transparency, which is what I think the community in general is really itching for. And I think part of that is because there's a lack of consistency. That is out there. So I think if you, again, this goes to back to, I think, the lack of real market data for recruiters on what the real market is like. So do you see that as still an ongoing issue? Do you see any hope that there's going to be improvements in that? In terms of
3: the market data, I don't know. (laughs) I would like there to be improvements there because, you know, when I'm trying to have conversations with hiring managers about or HR teams about where to put the salary band for that role. It is really hard. I've got my finger on the pulse and I feel like I know where, what that looks like, but I can't, it's not like I go online and I'm like, okay, so here's the proof about why I think that. It's, it is frustratingly not transparent. And I hope that will change. And it may, because like with Colorado and New York and California, having salaries and job postings, I think that is going to, that's a wealth of data Right. Like just go to Indeed or wherever and look for job postings in Colorado for marketing operations. And you're going to see ranges from very low to like super freaking high so that right now it's all over the place. But I think eventually it will it will even out and we will be able to find useful data around that. And I think part of it, too, is like talking about salary is still really taboo. Which is unfortunate. It's really unfortunate, I think. I think we should just be open about it, right? We shouldn't, it's not something to be embarrassed about, but it is, it will take some time for that to become less taboo and more people are talking about it. But have conversations with your coworker. Just be like, this is a really awkward conversation and I'm gonna ask you a question that sounds super personal and weird. What are you currently making in your role? And what did you make two years ago? What did you make before you got that title and whatnot? And just utilizing the resources around you for that type of thing when you're trying to figure out what your, when you're trying to figure out what your worth is, which it was gross to say out loud, but Mm -hmm. because you are not your job. But anyway, who? Mm -hmm. It is, it is still very cloudy and I very much look forward to when it's not. But I think in the meantime, while we're, Twiddling our thumbs and waiting for an entire societal change. In the meantime, don't be afraid when you're on conversation, when on calls or meetings with recruiters or hiring managers, don't be afraid to ask up front. Even if it's you're replying to a LinkedIn message or an email, don't be afraid to ask up front what the salary band or range is. And there's ways you can because there's a lot of fear of, oh, then they're just gonna think all I want is money. There's ways to do it where you don't sound like a money hungry. (laughs) insert negative thing and it's really all about expressing gratitude so like for example you could be like hey thanks so much for reaching out and sharing this role with me i really appreciate the time that it took to find me and connect speaking of time i i want to be very cognizant and aware and respectful of your time could do you mind sharing the salary range for this role i don't want to Take up any year of your time if it's out of what I'm looking for or something. Don't be afraid to do that. And if they're weird and shady about telling you, that is also consider yeah. <laughs> consider that a bullet dodge. But yeah, just just it's it's like advocating for yourself, right? Because the market right now is so weird and salaries are all over the place and it's hard to just define what uh, the correct range for, you know, your and other people's roles are, definitely advocate for yourself and don't be embarrassed or afraid to talk about it, honestly.
0: Yeah, I think that my my one point on this, I would say, is what you just described is there's ways to ask the question that are not, won't come across as just offensive and rude and, and all that. I think there's reasonable ways to do it. and Yeah. I don't think you should feel bad about it, even if it's an awkward, uncomfortable thing to do
1: be really proud of the data that we're getting on this in our state of the Mopro research. Like I pulled it up just to look at it right now. We'll publish it in the next couple of weeks here from this recording date, but it, like we've sliced it in a few different ways. So we're looking at years of experience. We're also looking at it in terms of company size. So that we can try to give organizations a flavor of what you might expect, depending on maybe your budgetary sort of constraints. If you're a, under a 100 employee organization with a marketing ops person, you only have, it, it doesn't change what their value is. It just changes what you're actually capable of paying. And some people are willing to take on learning experiences for startups and that's okay. But we try to present that data in a couple of different ways to make that stuff more accessible in the market. And then what's coming along with this state of the MoPro research this year is free job guide templates for hiring managers to understand really what it looks like to write for those roles from management up to even executive director plus roles. And those were all worked on. I think Mr. Hartman helped us out with those. Daomi looked at them. About like 10 other folks helped us try to figure out what those those templates might look like. And so. I'm particularly excited about this community's ability to set some of those standards, as well as, as we wait, twiddling our thumbs for the market to shift on standardizing on salary transparency, at least this can be a guide for the market to baseline against.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. All right. So Chelsea, let's get it down to some, maybe some brass tacks here. So if people are listening and they're like, I'm ready to move, I want to start looking for the next thing, or I'm in the middle of it. What are some best practice or suggestions for how they should, where you think they'll get the most out of that and find something that best fits them faster, maybe?
3: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if you're in the throes of a job search, maybe you got laid off or you're ready to try something new. One thing I would remember is that job searching is it's a numbers game, and it's interesting too because recruiting is also a numbers game. So there's a lot of numbers in the space. But yeah, job search is a numbers game, and it's, and I don't mean go and apply to a hundred jobs. That's do it if you want to, but it's not gonna it's not gonna yield much return. When I say it's a numbers game, and again, back to networking, right? Reaching out to to reaching out to folks who are like I said, doing what the job that you're doing, helping them understand that you are really passionate about this space because then when a job does come open, who are they going to think of first when, you know, we're like, hey, we're open to referrals. They're going to think of you. So it really just is uh, talk to as many people as you can. Learn as much as you can as not quickly, but <laughs> as robustly as you can as the opportunity opportunities arise for sure. And I think even if you're either in the in right in the middle of it or just just starting or even just considering it. One thing that's really important, and I'm gonna harp on this all the time, is figure out again your why, figure out your values. And when you are interviewing and doing these informational meetings and calls and such with folks that you're networking with, just be remember to be authentic. And I know that's being yourself. Like it's cheesy and it's cliche and it's hard to do, but being authentic is really important. And because one, if you're not, you're going to get stuck in a job where you have to pretend to be somebody you're not, which is exhausting and nobody freaking wants that. And two, you know, being yourself, is, it's like bringing your whole self to, to work, right? You want to be in a role like that. And the only way you're going to do that is if you do that. It's not like you can like interview yeah. with somebody and be this like buttoned up and stuffy guy. And then you come in and you're like, what's up, dude? Like you can't shift like that so just be yourself from the get-go know your value and the skills that you have and what's important to you your values your why and go out there and make it happen captain
0: Here we go <laughs> i love that's, that advice that's fantastic.
3: just
1: for all the listeners on this one chelsea is going to be involved in the community so i will shamelessly plug for her you will see a bit more of us doing some work together mm-hmm to help enable this group. We have another coach that's gonna help us. You all probably know her name's Hannah. And so there's gonna be more, we're working on this. And so Chelsea, I appreciate you taking the time to share all this stuff. Between the State of the Mopar research, the job guide templates, folks like yourself, volunteer mentors and volunteers that are offering all kinds of different things in terms of resume review and programs started by our community. This is what it's all about. So I'm just like, grinning ear to ear like thrilled to to hear this all over and yeah if any of you are looking for new roles like just keep thinking of this community because there's going to be a lot of resources coming your way to help you
0: out there awesome absolutely so, Chelsea, this has been really fun and I think thought-provoking and interesting. And hopefully our audience will be interested if they wanted to follow up with you on anything from this or just keep keep track of what you're doing and all that. What's the best way for them to do that?
3: Yeah, so I live and breathe LinkedIn. So that's a good place to connect with me. I also have my handy dandy website that I just spun up and feel really weird about talking about, but it's Sprout brightconsulting.com and you can learn about like my philosophy around coaching both in the mops and the non-mops space but yeah i really appreciate you guys bringing me on and i'm super excited to to continue my journey in the marketing ops space and help and watch people flourish and grow fantastic that was so cheesy so cheesy all right i love it
0: it pretend. is real.
3: Like, it is real. Keep it's it your real authentic here. self.
0: Yes, yes, bring your authentic self. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you Chelsea, thank you Naomi and Mike for once again helping through us through these episodes. Thanks to all our listeners out there for continuing to support us and provide us such great ideas. So if you have an idea for a topic or a guest or you want to be a guest, Reach out to us through Slack, the marketingops.com website. If you set up, if you haven't set up your profile there, you can do that there. And in that space, you can put in a request to be a guest and we'll follow up with you. So until next time, thanks everybody and bye. 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 <laughs>